Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome back to another episode of From the Ashes. I'm so honored to welcome Kiana Torres-Flores back to the show. Kiana, you were on episode 10. I just looked it up. And now we're on episode 52. How exciting for you, Mark. A lot has changed. You've changed. We've changed. Um, The last time you were on, you were talking about your spiritual journey and actually refinding your kind of spiritual center and your religious home. And today we're going to move out of the spiritual realm into kind of the professional realm and talk about quiet leadership. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's been a long theme for me. Even when I was a kiddo, I can think of times when I just somehow managed to pop up in a leadership position by accident, not because I wanted to, but because someone was like, Hey, you'd be really good. at this. Go do that. And then I do it. It feels so damn awkward. <laughs> so awkward. There, there's so many parts. There, there'd be so many parts of me that that would be like, "What? I am not qualified. I don't know what you see, but I, don't, I probably shouldn't be here." Does somebody else want to do this? Yeah, I, I think that's a common experience. You know, I'm I'm curious how yeah how common do you think that is to how other people talk about that, or is that something that you feel like is localized around you of just kind of being have leadership foisted upon you. Well, like right now I'm, I'm working in, in restaurants and I think it's a little bit of both. I think people just, uh, I think what I've seen so far is that people see that you do a really good job or that you are really hungry and enthusiastic. And then they're like, yes, GM, you know, you are now going to run the whole show. Um, maybe with some training that you've already had or no training that you've already had. Um, and I've also seen that in the therapy world. I've seen that in most of my the jobs that I've been at. Um, I've also seen that in spiritual communities too. Or uh, just speaking from my my own experience, where people are are asked like, "Hey, would you want to would you like to read scripture? You'd be really great." And that person might just be like, <laughs> "But for some reason, you think I'd be great? Okay." And then they do it, and it's either they love it or hate it, or somewhere in between. Yeah. But I, I will say that the balance of that is, there's a lot of things in my life that I don't think I would have done without someone being like, "Hey, I think you got the chops for this. Mm-hmm. You want to give it a try?" It's scary, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's gonna be a good conversation because we we're talking before the episode. I've been one of those people for you. Right, getting involved in the group society that I've talked about on the show a few times, you know, the nonprofit about group psychotherapy. And I am I'm often that person. I mean, I'm often the other side of the coin, right? The person that's like, hey, you can do this. Here's what I see in you. Like, what help and support do you need to make it happen? Um, in my life, I've rarely <laughs> been offered leadership. <laughs> I get I have the other experience. Um, what got me into the group society was actually the past president telling me that I couldn't do it. Um, that it would be too much of a too much of a challenge, um, and picking somebody else, uh, which you know uh, paradoxically kind of motivated me to to step up into into leadership. I will show you that exactly. I can. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot more my personality is like. Oh, you said I can't do it. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna double down and make sure it happens. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm gonna take a step back. Can you define for the audience what you mean by quiet leadership and how that might differ from other forms of leadership? Yeah. So I would say. Like, if we're walking together side by side, I think quiet leadership is the is the model of someone kind of sitting in the back and being like, "Hey, I think we should probably turn left up there instead of right." But whatever, maybe it's not, you know. <laughs> but you know, offering um, from the sidelines, you know, the direction 
um, that might be best. And I would also say that quiet leadership also has to do with being the person who is like arms deep into the, the, the work. It's, 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 it's quiet leadership is actually being in the, the nitty gritty of what needs to happen. And, and for me, that's a lot of how I've done my work is from the sidelines, uh, guerrilla warrior, um, really getting the work done up close and, and personal. Mm-hmm. So uh, would you say it's similar to influence or would you make a distinction between those two different things? Influence. As far as like influence versus authority. I would say so. Yeah. You know, when I do that value card sort, like authority is the thing that the top thing that is most not important to me. So, so it, I, I kind of retract when people are like, take this very public, you know, um, place in, in the hierarchy or, or whatever it is. It's I'm like, oh no, because that means I'll be an authority and that means I'll have to do this power dance. Um, that feels really gross and inauthentic. Um, and, and for, for me, what's most authentic is pushing against power, that gorilla part, um, and, you know, holding accountable our, our authorities. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me what is kind of yucky about authority for you? Because I think that's like, I mean, it's been a growing sentiment. I think it continues to grow. Yeah. Speaking for a lot of people with that. Oof. I think it's been a, a, a lifelong thing. I, I've known, I've had to learn uh, very early what the, the fact that systems aren't created to work for me um, as a brown woman who um, is part of the LGBTQ community and so on and so forth. All these other identifiers that put me on the outside. Um, so for a long time, I've associated authority with oppression, mm. um, with not aligning with what's the highest good, um, not just for the majority, but for the people who are often left on the margins. So um, me being associated with an authority means like, oh, now I am the cone of the oppressor. I have nothing to do with that. Um, I want to be part of the the community, the village that helps, you know, erect a, a stable way of being in relationship to other people uh, rather than dictating from. I, think, I mean, we, we can probably do a whole other podcast on compassionate leadership. That's more of my, my way of doing uh, leadership, which in some realms is just, that just doesn't work. I mean, the, the, the usual model for authority um is like this get it done, aggressive, uh, move forward at any cost. Um, and I'm just not, not into that. It makes me feel yucky, that word you use, yucky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? It's what I'm hearing from you. That understandably, you don't want to be part of a system that doesn't seem to have your best interest at heart. And I can, I, you know, what I make up for you, what I, what I assume is that by taking on authority or feeling pushed into authority, it might feel like forgetting your roots or, or selling out in some way, or like, you know, perpetuating some of the injustices that you felt. Is Am I onto something there or is it something different? Could be, could be. Yeah. I, I don't want to sell out. Um, I also have a thought in me that's like, I don't think I'd be any good at. I think that's another part of quiet leadership for me is that there's a a feeling of that, you know, out in the front leading the troops is like, but I wouldn't be good at it. But I could be telling myself that because um, the other reason of it's repulsive to me might not be enough for other people to really understand. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for me to say like, oh, I'm just not good at it. Right. Whereas it might just be really disgusting. <laughs> and that yeah, might be all it is. Gross. Yeah, yeah. It's just gross. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. 
but I, I am indubitably I am and a part of that that authority nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that you mentioned it before, and it's something I really I'm curious your your thoughts about because I don't know. I can say this humbly, I think, of being a leader for a while. I don't actually know what the right model is. You know, like I've personally tried different sides of that spectrum and have both felt kind of ineffective in some ways, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I've certainly felt lonely, but I think a lot of leaner, leaders feel lonely in that position. You know, I've tried to like really push and motivate and like, do you know, got to get done. Let's do it. I found, and this is, you know, in the organization that we're both a part of the group society. So I do have to put a big asterisk that are, you know, people who are leading were therapists, which are their own, <laughs> their own breed here. We are, um, yeah. But this idea of like, you know, it feeling too intense for some people have gotten that feedback. You know, I've tried a lot more hands off and like, Hey, I'm here to help you guys take the ball and run. I think that can crumble because people need, they want a more structure. You know, I've done the like, uh, let's be a cheerleader. And I'm like your biggest fan. And like, let's try to do it from a place of like joy and happiness. Um, I feel like that works in the short term, but then kind of falls off over time, you know? So, so I'm not, and I'm curious your thoughts of, of what, what is effective. And I think the thing that I'm reflecting on as you've talked about this is I wish in my leadership roles, I had spent more time with the people individually and spent more time getting to know them. I spent more time like doing maybe more of that influence, um, building more of that personal connection, having more personal buy-in. I think that's a blind spot that I had. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm curious where you stand on different leadership styles and, and what is what you've seen work and not work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen, I've seen a little bit of everything. I, the one that most comes to mind, though, is chaos leadership, where you just are constantly throwing wrenches and everything, and that's how everyone gets to work is because they don't know that they're never not paying attention. Everyone's just hypervigilant to the amount of chaos that you're throwing into the works. So they have to work. Like they have to be <laughs> on it all the time. Um, wait, really, hold on, wait, no, pause, pause, um, pause. So, so you're yeah, saying yeah. It, it's like the leader is just like constantly sabotaging the mission Pretty and much. that, and that makes the like the f- employees or whatever, like more vigilant and that makes it more effective. Yeah. I, I, that is probably the, the the most effective form you've seen. Unfortunately, and it's the most common, I think, that I've seen, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and in in my experience, like when I've done that kind of leadership, I think a lot of that comes from an insecurity of not being able to say, like, I don't know what the fuck I believe. Like, I don't know where we're going. I don't really know what the right thing is here. So I'm going to give you all these projects. You have to be perfect, like capital P. And uh, don't reach out to me until they're done. (laughs) No, it's like, (laughs) it's good luck. It's like the perfect way to deflect, you know, my own insecurities of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this the best way. And not feeling vulnerable enough to be able to say, yeah, I need help with this. As a, as a leader and, and that might be another thing that feels gross to me about authority is that as you were saying like it feels really lonely to be sitting in that spot to be the one at least presumably who's supposed to have all the damn answers who's supposed to you know, be able to problem solve our way through anything I, 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 that's terrifying is to you know be in that in that spot and to be like you know what y'all I don't know Sorry. And and to, you know, get the look of disappointment from people. Because, I mean, it's a whole other kind of wounding, right? When your fearless leader is like, I'm fresh out. Got nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's tough for the leader and for the employees, right? Um, Or or for the team. Because the the team puts the leader on a pedestal whether they want to or not because of the power structure. Right. So when a leader says, like, I don't know, it hits, like, hundred times harder than if it was one of your coworkers saying that. Right. And getting put on a pedestal means that, you know, the people who are below you, quote unquote, have better aim to throw shit at you mm. when you make a mistake or you don't know, or, you know, it's very vulnerable. 
And I think it's almost expected. I mean, at least in the cultures and circles that I run in, like shit talking your boss is is part of it, right? I mean, for some people, you know, um, <laughs> I won't call anyone out here. For some people I know, like that is a part of what they enjoy about their work is that sense of camaraderie with their coworkers, which often includes like having a shitty boss they can rag on, right? right. Like there's, there's like a sense of like community that comes from that, right? Having that shared experience, like, oh, can you believe what this person did? Like, can you believe that they said that? That's crazy, right? Right, that email, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Everybody likes hating the lunch lady. Yeah. Except when you're the lunch lady, like. <laughs> Yeah, then you don't like it that much at all, right? No, 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 no. It's it's terrifying, it's scary. Yeah, so tell me more about the insecurity that leaders have, because I think you're you're dead on. I think there's a lot that goes on there. And and one way that you talked about, yeah, just like delegate everything and just be like a proofreader. Then people come back and be like, Yeah, that's great. Here's something else to do. You know, I, I think my insecurity was the other side of the same coin, which is like just do everything myself. Right. Of like, I don't want anyone to see how the sausage is made. Um, so I'm going to do everything in my own, you know, behind closed doors. Um, but yeah, tell me about some insecurities that, that you see in, in leaders. And I think the first thing that comes up for me is being able to communicate and to do it in an effective way. I'm going to keep using that word. Um, I think uh, there are so many ways that people like to hear things and and the way that you might be really good at communicating might not work for them. So like maybe, maybe it's more than just communication, but like, am I attuned enough to this person or to, to my team to be able to reach them in a way that will actually settle with them? Mm-hmm. How can I be everyone, everything to everyone? You know, I, and I think that's, an impossible standard. So of course, I mean, I think I have continuous insecurity about that. How do I meet everyone on their level? I'm just one person. I only have one personality as far as I know. And yet, and yet the, the expectation is that I have to meet everyone. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Right. Like I think a big part about being a leader is holding other people's disappointment because it's yes. going to happen. Right. Like, it's definitely going to happen. Um, either that, or I guess if you are everything to everyone, then you've just lost your soul because you just become a chameleon, which is, has its own set of problems, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a heavy burden to carry. Oh. Like, I'm going to piss someone off. I'm going to make someone sad. I'm going to just disappoint someone. And then having to do all the contorting that it takes, too. Yeah, so this is a great conversation. We're going to move into our first commercial break here. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about different leadership styles about, you know, the loneliness that I think, I think we're talking about and maybe if we can get there, some tips or tricks about how we might do it differently or or things to look for. Um, So if you're listening, stay tuned uh, to the commercial and we'll see you on the, on the other side of the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay.com. 
A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y dot teachable dot com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to the show. I'm sitting here with Kiana Torres Flores, and we're talking about leadership styles. So you mentioned in the first segment uh, this idea of compassionate leadership, and it said said something that you practice more now. Can you define that for our listeners? Say a little bit about what it is, what it isn't, um, and how you bring it into into play now. Sure. So, um, I mean, if you if you've read any of the Brene Brown stuff, Dare to Lead stuff, that I mean, for compassionate leadership, I, that's what I, the number one source I'd point you to. But for me, my uh, definition and you know what? I think I'm just going to tell you a story about this instead. Um, for me, compassionate leadership can be exemplified by um, one time I was leading a group to get a, a big project done. And there were some folks who just kept missing deadlines over and over and over again. Um, now, with compassionate leadership, for me, it was like, hey, What's going on with that you know is there anything I can do to, to support you with this and like try to get the story out of them around what is happening to, to make this deadline just never happen instead of being like you fucking suck you're, you're bringing us down let me give it to someone else <laughs> and this in this example though um, the person I'm thinking of like willingly it was like I just I can't be on this project you know, he just bowed out. And that's probably the most compassionate thing he could have done for himself and the team. Because it was just making him miserable and he was just struggling through the whole thing. So I think the other part of compassionate leadership is giving folks an opportunity to you know, tell their story, but also to make decisions that are um, healthy for themselves. I think more or less, people can tell you what they can and cannot do. Um, and part of compassionate leadership is me being able to say, like, it's okay. Like, maybe when we passed you with this a couple of months ago, you were raring to go and everything in your life was a certain way. But now you've got all these transitions going on. You just had a new baby, you know, like all these things. And doing this project that once seemed really easy now feels really burdensome and hard and that's okay. Um, instead of being like, well, you agreed to it. Why aren't you doing it? I don't care whether things have changed. You agreed. So it's also giving space to like everyone's humanness and Allowing, I guess, also allowing people to make decisions for themselves and to be vulnerable with you. Um, re- remembering that we're not just this job or we're not just this task. We're also parents. We're also siblings. We're also caretakers or caregivers. There's so much more to the people who are helping you with a project than just their ability to put a, a certain skill set. Yeah, that's a great definition. You know, and I would imagine, correct me on this if I'm wrong, is that by doing that, you build more loyalty within the team because the team feels like you care for them more and that you are invested in their lives and that you know, you just know about them, right? They don't feel so much like cogs in a machine that can be replaced. There's more of a personal connection there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's much more part of, more about the relationship. Um, than the actual thing getting done. I think that things usually get done. It might not be by the the original players, but things will usually get done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the sticky thing about compassionate leadership for me in particular is uh, 
not giving passes too often. So it's like, yeah, you had all these transitions going, you have a new baby, okay, cool. We're going to shift you into something else. And then continuing the conversation around what is your capacity? And let's be real about that. Um, And this is a tricky thing for me around like really understanding how much can people actually give and how much are they holding back for themselves? That makes sense. I'm trying to, it's like the, it's like the energy, the energy uh, bucket, you know, how much do you have for us for real? Like be honest with me. Because if you're fucking around and telling me that you can do everything, but you can't, like, that's not good for you or for me or the project. But if you're saying also that you can't do something, you but you probably can, but something's getting in the way there, like, we also need to talk about that, you know, because uh, things still need to be done. And, and that maybe that's the part that I struggle with because it gives me a little glimmer of authority of all, like, things need to get done. Are you going to do it or not? And that's where a compassionate um, leadership can be really helpful in pulling back and saying like, well, yeah, things need to get done. What's getting in the way? Yeah, I think that line is really tricky, right? You know, there's that line between, I'm hearing you talk about between compassion and like enabling. Exactly. That's right? the word. Yeah. And the idea is if you keep giving people passes, then they learn of like, oh, if I could go to my boss and like weave this story, and it might be mostly true, right? Then I can shirk some responsibility or I can, you know, not do this thing or I can get bounced around again. Um, there becomes like a channel that people can use, you know? Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting, right? And, and I think, again, reflecting on the group society because we just have that in common is I think I fell into the enabling role during part of my tenure of giving, of having those conversations, right? Of like, what's everyone's capacity? And the answer was like, no capacity, right? Like nothing, zero, can't do it, right? Like, I don't know. And that, that organization is different, I want to say to our listeners, because it was a volunteer organization. It wasn't something where people were getting paid, which I do, I do think is a major differentiator. Because sure. um, yeah. it, it's not the primary thing, right? They don't, it's not a survival thing. Um but there, but that line, right, of just people saying, yeah, I don't have the, the bandwidth or, oh, I'm really struggling. And then they're not being that second step of like, okay, then how do we get you back on the horse here, right? Um, or or what, is there anything you can do? And if not, is then the conversation like, how do we coach you out of this role? If, yeah. you're, if you're telling me that you can't do anything. You yeah. Know? Like, like that, it was hard for me to get to that point, to the point of like, okay, well, if you've told me multiple times you can't do anything, then I guess you don't have a job anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, do you want to be, do you want to do this work? It's a whole yeah. other thing. Like, I might be able to do it, but maybe I don't want to, right? And and that can be corrosive also uh, over a long period of time. Like, I'll do this job begrudgingly, mm-hmm. which, I mean, we all have our moments, right? It's just like, I don't want to do the dishes, but I do them. <laughs> if I do that long enough in a job, bitterness comes up. So again, it's not good for you or for, for me as a leader to not talk about, like, if you don't want to do this, just tell me. You know? uh, it's better. We're all better off having that amount of transparency. Yeah, I'm curious. What do you think? I was listening to the um, uh, Duncan Trussell podcast and he was talking to this like Zen dude, right? And the Zen guy was talking about doing the dishes and about how he enjoys doing the dishes and how that's like a meditative practice for him or whatever, right? Good for him. Good for him. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what Duncan said. Duncan was like, you are a saint because nobody I know likes that. And the question that he posed was, which I'm curious to pose to you or to, to discuss is like, I don't know if that model works for every job because there are some jobs that I'd imagine most people don't want to do. Right. I mean, sure. I, maybe there's like the, you know, sanitary cleaner that like loves the job or like the, you know, janitor or the, um, I don't know, person like 
picking up garbage or, you know, like, like the jobs that are just, or factory work or right. Like stuff that's like just like difficult hard and hard labor, labor yeah. that mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I think there's something, and I'm definitely guilty of it being like a millennial being, you know, white of, of this idea of like having like a mission focused job, like, you, you know, do the job that I love and I, and I love my job, but I don't think everybody has that opportunity to, to do a job that they love. So like what, you know, like, like, so what happens then? Right. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how, how does the model apply to that? Right. Right. Like, I don't know that it does. Right. I mean, there are some jobs uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, um, you know, my time as a partnership coordinator and like, there are jobs like trying to talk someone into being a volunteer there was a part of me that was like, oh God, I have to tell them how much work they have to do mm-hmm. with like, we, we give them some cookies around, you know, free admission and all these things. Like, but ultimately I'm telling you, you're going to do a shit ton of work. Yeah, get ready to work for free. Right? And just wait until our next annual meeting and it will feel all, it'll feel worth it. Mm-hmm. I promise. When, when like, you can't really guarantee that. Right. Like that. Right. Yeah. But it also and, needs and to be done. Right? On top of that, right? Back to what you said in the first segment, if you do well enough, you get your 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 cookie and you get to do even more work for free. Right? We're gonna promote you to the board position and you're gonna do more work for free. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the cookie there is the community, right? Like you get to have the board members and the group yeah. and the blah blah blah, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. The more we're talking about this, the more I'm thinking of it as like the energy exchange. And we get to be as leaders, we get to be the ones um, to ask folks, hey, you have this energy for me, you willing to hand that over and put it to good use for me? Um, and then you know, the other person gets to say, yes or no, maybe, or to negotiate or, or any of that. Um, but it's it's a high how do I say it? It's um it's a big responsibility on both parts mm-hmm. to be able to put it all out on the line. Like there are gonna be parts of this that fucking suck. They just are. <laughs> and you know, are you are you willing to to do that? Going back to that transparency part, like this is what's this is what the job is. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. Do you realistically think you can do? Yeah. Yeah, I get so interested in this topic because it's something that comes up on this show, on my show, and just on a lot of things that I hear, which is whole like great resignation thing that, you know, we're going through, which is, which is, you know, coupled with hyperinflation, which it seems really scary combination in in my opinion. But I think what you're talking about is that a big driver for people where they're looking at a job and they're like, oh, this is like 80% shitty. I'm not going to, you know, debase myself or to disrespect myself and take this job. And there's industries that are just getting like wiped out because they don't have that compassion. There isn't really a lot of like career growth. There isn't a lot of mission driven anything, mm-hmm. you know, and I think people see these jobs as, as dead ends. Um, and if they want a job that just brings an in income, people do, they go to the gig economy now, right? They go and they do DoorDash or, or Uber or, you know, Instacart or whatever, right? Like we're in a wonderful kind of crazy place where it's like everyone can find a job. You can sign up for an app and get a job in a day, yep. which is crazy, right? Um, but then it's hard to find people that want to do other kind of traditionally entry-level or, or manual jobs, um, you know, servers, uh, working as a clerk, working retail, things like that. Um, right. Yeah. Like we're, there's two paradigms that are interacting here. The old paradigm of like, you do the job, even though you don't like, you still need to do, you still need to make money and that you just eat it. Right. And the new paradigm, which is like, no, my time is worth more than this. I don't ever get to have that back. So I'm looking out for number one in the sense of, am I putting my time towards something that feeds me? And, And again, I think you bring up a good point. Like that's privilege to be able to think that way. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us have to get up for shitty jobs, literally and figuratively, um, every day because 
money needs to be made. Right. Food needs to be bought. Right. Cars need to be maintained. You know, all, all of that stuff. Um, but, you know, some of us are privileged enough to be like, this isn't, this isn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Let me find something else that's funner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm in two minds about it because I'm very pro-entrepreneur, right? And it, and this time, entrepreneurship has never been more accessible. There's so much content and the technology is a lot more affordable and business startup. It's like, it's like really the best time to be an entrepreneur right now mm-hmm. um, or the most accessible. I don't know the best, most accessible. But then the other time, I'm also very pro-small businesses and small businesses are the ones that are really struggling um, around this, this shift that's happening. Yeah. You know, how do we hold the two? Because I think we'll always need people to do jobs on all levels until we start figuring out a way to get a robot to then. But but then that creates its own set of problems with like you remove entire industries overnight, right? Um, Well, we're going to move to our next commercial break here, but we'll we'll keep like noodling on this topic when we come back, talk a little bit about. if you're thinking about learning some more compassionate leadership, required leadership, what you might want to take away if you're a listener uh, from this podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit Mark dash azule dot teachable dot com that's mark m a r c dash azule a z o u l a y dot teachable dot com get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on twitter find us at voice america trn or twitter dot com forward slash voice america trn You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to another episode of From the Ashes. Um, so in the end, last part of this segment, what we do is we give people takeaways. Um, if they want to bring more compassionate leadership into their life or if they want to practice quiet leadership. So, Kana, what would you recommend to somebody who wants to learn more about this way of being a leader? Uh, man, it would be really hard to be like, go find someone who's a compassionate leadership. There are a whole lot of us, but I think there's more of us. Um, luckily, I think with with more research and, and writing going on around how to do compassionate leadership. Um, so of course, go find a book. Um, Brene Brown's great. Read her stuff. It's good stuff. Um, but in practice though, I think the thing that helped me the most to have more compassionate, quiet leadership and to, to be more effective is to be human and be able to say when I just don't know what the hell I'm doing or I need help or I need time. Um, Being able to show your own humanness with your teams, I think 
is is not only compassionate, but it's very humanizing for the rest of you. So you're modeling for yourself and for them what it could be like instead of doing the like, I suck, what am I doing? I I'm terrible. I shouldn't even be in this position going the route of, hey, I need help. And here's here's what I need specifically. That's a, a very humbling, humbling moment, not just for you, but for your team, too. And um, let's see, the, the other thing I would say is to actually take time to celebrate when things do get done, because it's, it's sometimes always a it's sometimes a miracle when something gets done. So actually taking time with your team, with yourself to say like, whew, look at all these things that we conquered on the way to getting this thing done and giving the, you know, verbal or actual high fives around, wow, we did that together and be able to, to pull up the lessons. I think those are two really great suggestions. And, and what I'm hearing in what you're talking is this idea of taking a slower pace. Just to Absolutely. everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 The problem is going to be there, whether you make the decision fast or slow. Mm-hmm. Um, in my personal experience, this might not be true for everyone, but when I take a, a beat and step back and take a full like panoramic view of like what's actually going on, I make a better decision, not just for myself, but for the people um, who I'm working with. So slowing down the whole process um, actually will probably create more peace. Yeah, I, I think I that's think very, I, very wise. Oh, good. Sorry. And I'll say um, in places that I've worked in, that fast pace gets so much like kudos and rewards. Like the faster you move, that's like more effective, at least in the perspective of, of a couple of industries. Um, but those industries are, are also starting to learn, oh, snap. Sure, it might be more effective, but I forget that I'm a human, other people are human, <laughs> that um, there are other consequences to moving really fast. And it's um, overall, I think, creates better relationships, too. When you slow it down, hey, what do you think? What do you think I should do here? What would be best for for you or for the rest of the team? Um, Instead of being an island and having to go through the lonely process of making really hard decisions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's something I have to constantly learn because I'm a very fast person, and I I am fast. I think I value fast. You know, I see that as more effective. But I think what you're saying is true. I think there is a lot of wisdom in going slow and something that I have to constantly, um, you know, put the brakes on in my own life around that, around just like blasting forward, whether it be from a feeling of fear and scarcity or from a feeling of excitement and expansion. You know, I think when I was a leader, some of the mistakes that I've made is outpacing my team by a lot and not really being where they're at with it um, and letting things like simmer and letting things take a long time to mature, right? And I think a lot of leaders feel that because as leaders, we're the vision holders and we often care more because we're more invested. So we're like, we're, we're all the way at the end where people, you know, are just getting onboarded, right? Like we're, we're already living in the perfect version of our business where other people are just, you know, coming along for the ride, right? They're just starting. They're just starting off on the journey. Right. And it's exciting too, to be at the, the head of something. I'm thinking of a, Example, um, in, a, in a job where my whole role was to sort of help develop more compassionate culture. And uh, I'm like, all right, we're going to do training. We're going to do all these things. It's going to be so good. People are going to be able to communicate better and, and know the signs and symptoms of overwhelming. You know, it's going to be great. And then uh, come to find out, people just hated it. They were called sure. training and they're just like, why are we here? Like, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of it has to do with this particular culture. Just, there's 
deep seed for like mental health is great for other people. Mm -hmm. But for me, I need to get things done and I have to do it this way, which is sometimes wildly unhealthy and sometimes abusive. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I definitely was not being compassionate to myself or to the people I was trying to serve, to serve by saying like, you will come to this training (laughs) because I think I know what's best for you. I'm going to mandate you come to this training on how to relax. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. So relax and come. Okay. (laughs) Mandatory self-care training. Yeah. Right. 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 So, um, a part of compassionate leadership is just having the open invitation to, uh, for getting feedback and for offering feedback all, all around 360, right? Um, what's, what can be done for, for me to do the best job for you, for this project, all that stuff. Um, that, yeah, that authority part comes out every so often in me. And, and it's not until I'm all done with it and when everybody hates me, that I'm like, oh, fuck. I did the thing. I did and now I have to build up that trust again. Yeah. 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 And Very in this well case, said. I can, I could totally say like, Oh, I, I dropped some seeds of wisdom. Maybe they'll water them. Maybe they won't, but now they have the information. Great. But now these relationships are kind of sideways when I come around it. Well, I remember when I used to come around, they'd be like, what is she going to try? And, do? Mm-hmm. and that's, that's not a good look. It's so delicate. I mean, it's what I'm reflecting on. And, you know, the business owners I work with is what they all say, right? That the hardest part is the leadership part, is working with the staff, is working with the team, is like managing these relationships because the power structure is so clear and there's money involved and there's competition and there's gossip and like water cooler talk, right? I mean, it's just like there's so many dynamics that come out at work for people um, that having the vision for the company like that's the fun and easy part, you know, developing the trainings, developing the, the products, doing all that stuff. Like that's the fun and easy part. The hard part is like running this like family and oftentimes very dysfunctional family of people, right. you know? Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I was actually thinking about maybe some listeners that maybe aren't the leaders in a, in their work, but maybe they're leaders in a community that they're a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's tricky too. How, how do I'm thinking about my own family in particular uh, and how the power structure breaks down then. But I play a lot of the role of, of mediator. And in my family, that's actually a really powerful role because it's just like grabbing everyone by the scruff and saying like, y'all are going to behave, right? Like, <laughs> Even though I'm, well, I was the youngest, but you know, I, in my immediate family, um, I'm the middle child now and I have a 14 year old sister. That's for a whole other podcast. But, you know, being especially the therapist with the master's degree, I do hold sort of this leadership role in the family. And I have a hard time being compassionate there, too. Um, Sometimes I'm all like, why did I call that meeting? Why did I just do that to myself just so that everyone could just lay it out on one another? Mm -hmm. (laughs) When really the more compassionate thing might have been to just be like, all right, you want to be miserable? Or give give folks the opportunity to say what they need and what they want. Ah, man. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to hold all the pieces together. It's hard. And it's hard to be in that constant kind of like listening stance. Right? Because as a leader, I think leaders do, whether it be of a family or of an organization, you do see things more holistically typically than most other people. But that doesn't mean you're right. <laughs> You know, I think that's a mistake that I've made. It's like, yeah, I can see what the problem is and I can see everything work together. And even if I am right, it's kind of irrelevant because the the team members don't see it that way. And it's my job to talk to the team members and figure out what's going on for them. Right. Right. Yeah. There's always going to be someone who's unhappy with a decision you make. Also that true. Yeah. There's always going to be a hater. Yeah. (laughs) There's always an organizational hater. Yeah. Yeah. Always and always. So as we're wrapping up here, I'm curious, any final thoughts, Kiana, for people listening that can relate with the topic? I'll say that for me, um, 
we're talking about quiet leadership. It has been the the style of leadership that has been most aligned with what I believe and and how I show up in the world. And I would just encourage folks to figure out what's their particular style with the caveat of, and does it actually work for the group? Uh, There are times where quiet leadership could actually be really detrimental to the group. If I don't say much about something, that's really important in a group as a leader, then I'm probably missing lots of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, to go quite the opposite direction, really aggressive, sort of like that makes me not be proud of myself at the yeah. end of the day, right? Yeah. So I got to You got to be able to find a style that you can be proud of and that you could sleep with at night, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. yeah. And that's sustainable for you, right? Like, like you said, that you don't live a life of regret and feel like you're selling out your soul on either end. Right. Um, so, yeah, Kiana always flies by. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Can't let people know where they might find you if they want to learn more about you? Sure. The best place is LinkedIn. So, look me up, Kiana Torres Flores, on the LinkedIn. Um, and I'm, I'm also working with a green <laughs> So if you're interested in that, I'm there for you there. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. And I'm sure we'll have you on again in a future episode. For those listening, anything helps to support this podcast. Um, We're trying to really build as many five-star reviews as possible on iTunes as the current push. Um, So rate us as long as it's five stars or more. Uh, That helps us. (laughs) That helps us build this podcast out. Um, Also sharing on our social media platforms with someone that you think might benefit is really helpful Thank you so much for continuing to support the show. We're at over 50 episodes, and here's to another 50 more. I'll see you next time on another episode of From the Ashes. See you, back. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.